Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, about a month ago, I did a podcast where uh, I was talking about how uh, some uh, Air Force veterans, uh, Robert Solis and Dr. Bob Jacobs, uh, had recently met with the all-domain anomaly resolution office to talk about their experiences uh, with regard to UFOs manipulating uh, nuclear missiles and uh, also missiles. Uh, of course, uh, Solis, as a lot of us out there uh, remember, he was uh, at Malmstrom Air Force Base in 1967 when a UFO showed up, sh- uh, showed up and deactivated uh, about 10 nuclear weapons, 10, 10 nuclear missiles. And, uh, of course, Jacobs had uh, talked about, he's been talking about for decades now, about how in 1964 he was uh, shown a, a film of a UFO shooting down a, a missile. with a, no, war, no warhead was on the missile, but a UFO circled the missile on this film that he was shown, and then it, it blew the missile up, and uh, he was told then never to talk about this. Uh, but of course, these guys have been talking about this stuff for years, and uh, but it's not just cases where, like these, there's a lot of cases where uh, UFOs show up and and manipulate our uh, nuclear missile system, uh, missiles throughout not just in the United States but also in Russia. And there's been one gentleman uh, for about 50 years now who's been researching this is Robert Hastings, and uh, he's written a book on this UFOs uh, and nukes. Uh, he wrote that, and that, that book was came out about, I guess, about 13 years ago now. Uh, if you don't have that book, that's something you want to, you really want to check out. It's UFOs and Nukes, Extraordinary Encounters at Nuclear Weapons Sites. This guy, again, he's been uh, looking into this for like 50 years, and he knows a lot. He's probably the most uh, authority, he has the most, the foremost person in the world uh, with regard to the uh, UFO and nuclear weapons connections. And uh, anyway... That's what I want to talk about today, but not how sometimes they shut them down. They deactivate nuclear weapons like they, or nuclear missiles like they did in uh, Malmstrom in 1967. But there are cases where they actually activate them and, and like, the, and they're all they're about to launch, and then and then all of a sudden they get shut back down again. So these aliens, extraterrestrials, obviously they have the ability to hover over missile silos nuclear missile silos no matter where it's at and they could just uh they could activate these weapons uh and they have the ability they could if they wanted to extraterrestrials could end the world but i don't think that's what they're doing when they're doing this i think they're 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 sending out a message and i think that's how a lot of people see this but i want to go through this uh there was an there was a lot of different articles on this uh and of course, the book by Robert Hastings, but he has a, a website uh, that I, I'll leave the link for, uh, UFOs and Nukes. Uh, it's at ufohastings.com, where he ta- that's where he basically focuses on a lot of his research uh, with regard to UFOs and Nukes. And this guy, believe me, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, basically, for like 50 years now, he's sought, according to his website, he's sought out and interviewed former and retired United States Air Force personnel regarding their direct or indirect involvement in nuclear weapons-related UFO incidents. These individuals, ranging from retired colonels to former airmen, report extraordinary encounters which have obvious national security implications. In fact, taken to their logical conclusion, these cases have planetary implications given the horrific consequences that would result from a full-scale 
global nuclear war. Significantly, the UFO activity occasionally transcends mere surveillance and involves direct and unambiguous interference with our strategic weapons systems. Numerous cases include reports of mysterious malfunctions of large numbers of nuclear missiles, just as one or more UFOs hovered nearby. Uh, and he also uh, points out that the classified Soviet Ministry of Defense documents confirm that such incidents also occurred in the former USSR. Uh, and to date, now this was this piece here, I believe, was written over 10 years ago now, so it's actually uh, longer than this. He says, to date, Hastings has interviewed more than 150 military veterans who were involved in various UFO-related incidents at U.S. missile sites, weapons storage facilities, and nuclear bomb test ranges. So I, for, at this point, he could be up to 200 plus. Anyway, the events described by these individuals leave little doubt that the United States nuclear weapons program is an ongoing source of interest to someone possessing vastly superior technology. Uh, <clears throat> now I'm going to talk about some of the cases, two of the cases, the, uh, there was a, a case in Minot, and also there was uh, one also in the Soviet Union that he, that he has, uh, that he talks about in an article here that he has posted on his website, and of course I'll leave links to all of this, and also I'll also leave a link to his book, uh, that's a book you 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 <laughs> a lot of people out there should, should uh, take, uh, should have an interest in, uh, but anyway, uh, let's let's look at uh, this one article here. This is from 2010. Uh, and, the, and the headline here it says: Recent Russian newspaper article discusses UFO incidents at Soviet and American weapons sites. Uh, and anyway, we're going to skip through a little bit here. It says here: Following the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, a number of ex-Soviet Army personnel came forward and began discussing their involvement in similar incidents in that country during the Cold War era. One of those events occurred on October 4, 1982, near the Ukrainian town of Bylokorovich, when a disc-shaped UFO apparently hovered over a nuclear missile base for an extended period. At one point during the encounter, a number of nuclear missiles suddenly activated without authorization from Moscow or any being or any action being taken by the missile launch officers and were preparing to launch. Had they done so, World War III would have very probably been underway. Fortunately, after 15 seconds, the anomalous activation ceased and the missiles returned to standby status. A subsequent investigation by the Soviet government discovered no equipment malfunctions that could have explained the event. Now, that's amazing. Imagine that. You're at this, you know, 1991, all of a sudden a, a flying saucer shows up, just hovering there, and starts, uh, and this is in Ukraine, uh, in the part, which was part of the Soviet Union at the time. <clears throat> or, excuse me, 1982, I'm, excuse me. So it's part of the Soviet Union at the time in Ukraine, and uh, flying saucer shows up, and next thing you know, uh, all the weapons are activated, and uh, they're about to launch. And nobody sent out this order, and no, nobody knows how this is happening. It just happens. Uh, but it, this is this is stuff that like, this guy has investigated incidents like this, Hastings, and and this is th these are things that, are, that obviously the aliens are sending us a message. This is again, I just want to point out too. Now you'll have a lot of debunkers out there and people in the mainstream media who've never investigated this stuff. Like unlike Hastings, like Robert Hastings here, who's investigated this stuff for like 50 years and talked to over 150, at least 150 military officials over the years, done done incredible research on this. 
this guy's an expert on this. He's telling you that this is what's happening. This, the, I mean, it's not just the people he's talking to. There's reports he's come across. There's a lot of different info, a lot of uh, information that he's accumulated that, that that tells this same story. And 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 just be, when when people out there, uh, like in the mainstream media, you think they would be talking about this kind of stuff, but they're not. They don't even investigate it. They don't care, for whatever reason. Um, anyway, he talks about this incident. He says, The incident was first publicized in October 1994 on the American ABC news program Prime Time Live, uh, which unethically used KGB documents and source leads provided to its producers by KLAS TV reporter George Knapp without crediting, crediting his contributions. A transcript of that program can be found here, and he has a link, so if you check out this uh, site, you can check out the links too, because there's a lot of different links that he has here. And then he writes, more recently on June 16, 2010, a large circulation Russian newspaper, Life, published an article about the case, which may be found, uh, and he has a link for that. A badly mangled English translation of the article, courtesy of Google, is also available. One of the paper's reporters, Inessa Koronenko, interviewed hitherto unidentified witnesses who provided additional details about the incident. While preparing the article, Koronenko contacted me and asked if I were aware of the case. I told her that not only did I know about it, I had once interviewed a former United States Air Force nuclear missile launch officer, David Schur, who had described a very similar event at Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota, North Dakota in the mid-1960s. A verbatim summary of Schur's relevations may be found in my article launched in progress. So there's also, again, there's a lot of different links and a lot of different uh, interview uh, interviews that he conducted here that you could check out. It's it's all very interesting. Koronico incorporated some of my remarks in the Life article and noted the obvious similarity between the two cases. Because Google's Russian to English translation is so torturous and thoroughly incomprehensible at times, I asked the reporter for a few clarifications, which she provided, so that a more user-friendly translation might be achieved. The result uh, follows here. And then he continues here. <clears throat> This is the Life article. He's talking about this Life article, that Russia Life article. Uh, the UFO hacked the nuclear codes. That was the little headline on there. Russia and the USA were on the brink of nuclear war because of UFO attacks on military bases where nuclear missiles were on alert. Sensational documents and other evidence confirm that the Soviet military base near Bailakovich, Ukraine, and the U.S. Air Force base near Minot, North Dakota, were attacked by aliens from space. Hovering over the missiles in each incident, a UFO in a matter of seconds hacked the codes required to launch them, nearly unleashing a third world war. Journalists working for life found revealing documents about the Ukrainian incident and located eyewitnesses to the alien attack. For a 20-year-old radio for 20-year-old radio operator Vladimir Mativich, assigned to the 50th Missile Division, Carpathian Military District, October 4, 1982 was a day that he will remember for the rest of his life. In the evening, he and a thousand soldiers and officers saw a UFO for almost an hour as it hovered over the R-12 missile silos. It was un Here's a direct quote from this guy. It was unbelievable. Approximately one and a half kilometers from us hovered an elliptical-shaped object, the former rocketeer excitedly told life. The dimensions of the UFO shocked us, as large as a five-story house. Barely visible lights flew up to the object. The guy and I were on our way to dinner when we... All saw it. The UFO continued to hover, slowly moving to the left, as if drifting. One officer tried to get closer to it in a car, but the UFO flew away. 
At this time, all of the missile launchers malfunctioned. The UFO also blocked radio signal reception in the bunker. We heard only complete silence, which we could not understand because this had never happened before. We were later told that the radio equipment was burnt. And then continue the article. Well, imagine that. Now you're seeing this UFO hovering over there. And, uh, and <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? When you see one of these things, there's nothing you can do. I saw one of these. I saw one of these things, right? There's nothing you could do. All you do is stand there in awe. Anyway, continuing here, it says, in his official statement on the incident, Major Michael Katzman, who was responsible for the missile's guidance systems, reported that the computer equipment and security systems had been disabled by a powerful electromagnetic pulse. He wrote that all of the control panels had lit up, indicating the missiles were preparing to launch toward their strategic targets. So imagine now, if UFO shows up, and then meanwhile, all these, all the guidance systems are malfunctioning, and the the missiles are, are telling the people who are operating the control panels that they're about to launch. That's what these beings can do. They have the ability to launch these. We we could have World War Three in, in in right now, in, in within five minutes, if these extraterrestrials wanted to wanted to cause that to happen. I don't think they want to cause it to happen. And we'll we'll talk about what's going on here later on. But it's amazing that the abilities they, that these beings possess. <clears throat> And then uh, then this other uh, uh, missile division chief, Yuri Zolokuchin, told a life journalist, I too was a witness to these events and also saw the UFO, but could not reveal what had happened to the sensitive equipment because I signed a non-disclosure document designed to protect state secrets. Uh, these events happened in the underground bunker where the missile control panels displayed the missile's readiness status. During the incident, the panels lit up, indicating that the missiles had gone to full combat readiness and were preparing to launch. Ordinarily, this is possibly only after obtaining an order from Moscow. In this case, it happened by itself. The officers on duty at their battle stations were shocked. Figuratively speaking, their hair had turned gray. They said that the information appearing on the control panels indicated that all security measures designed to prevent an unauthorized launch of the missiles had been hacked. Within just a few seconds, the launch officers, launch officers had lost control over their nuclear weapons. Immediately after this occurred, the officers called Moscow. The reply they got was that no order to launch had been issued. After 15 seconds, all of the controls reset to the normal position. Imagine that. Imagine the, the, the ability that they have. These beings, it's it's amazing. And again, I just want to stop here for a second. Again, this is someone like Robert Hastings and other, uh, along with the help of other researchers, puts all this data together, puts out a book, been studying this for like fifty years now, and and yet, I mean, this should be like one of the biggest stories of all time, but it's really not. I mean, this is, I mean, it's one thing, you know, when they show up and. Uh, at at Malmstrom and shut things down but in this case they're actually turning them on getting getting them prepared to launch basically showing showing us that hey we could we could cause World War 3 to happen right now if they wanted to this is like one of the biggest stories of all time it's extremely fascinating because obviously uh, the the presence of these extraterrestrials on this planet there's something that they're concerned with our nuclear weapons for some reason I think we could guess what that reason is i guess they don't want to see the the world be completely uh, destroyed anyway continuing here it says former rocketeer vladimir mativich says a few days later a commission came to the base and interviewed the witnesses the guys gave them gave them, gave them their drawings of the ufos 
One of the officers swore in his Communist Party membership that he wasn't drunk. A few days later, we were lined up for our morning inspection by our officers and read an order from the Commander-in-Chief of the Strategic Rocket Forces, designated number R010, which said, If you see a UFO, do not panic and do not shoot. Then I realized why the officers who had their finger on the button looked so old and had gray hair. And then the art, and of course, uh, yeah, I guess it would give you a few gray hairs if you're, uh, you know, in the presence. You're you're watching missiles get get pre- uh, prepared to get launched uh, and uh, toward the United States, and wor- in effect, causing the uh, World War Three to start. And then the article uh, got into the, what happened in the United States. And it says here, a United States Air Force base in Minot, North Dakota, once experienced a similar incident, the life journalist was told by American UFO investigator, 60-year-old Robert Hastings. He is the author of research on UFO activity at strategic nuclear facilities. Hastings spoke Hastings personally spoke with a former intercontinental ballistic missile commander, then Lieutenant David Schur. Schur told me that in 1966 he was involved in an event in which an unidentified flying object repeatedly activated the launch sequence in his missiles. That's a direct comment from Hastings. Sure told me that his missile guards had informed him that a big, bright object was moving from missile to missile. When the UFO hovered over a given missile, his control panel indicated that it was preparing to launch. This meant that somehow it had received a launch authorization. Every time that happened, Sure had to manually enter a launch inhibit command. The UFO seemed to be scanning the missiles because various other functions were temporary active temporarily activated as well the next day sure's commanders said that there was nothing to discuss <laughs> wow and then uh in the hard copy uh this is what Hastings writes in the hard copy print article that life circulated with on russia last week additional material was published by the newspaper reporter korinenko sent me that version of the article in both russian and google translated english among the comments appearing in it were these uh, this is the what Coroneco, the take of Coroneco was. I think the UFO technology allows their pilots, the aliens, to launch our missiles. However, they choose not to do so. Cases such as the Bilokorich and Minot suggest that aliens are trying to understand how these systems work and what they need to do in the event of war breaking out to stop the feuding children, i.e. us. I believe that the UFO pilots, by running the rocket's pre-launch countdown, learned how to stop it. Okay, so there you have a conclusion from the writer, the Russian writer. And this, again, this is an article from over 10 years ago that uh, we're talking about here. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about this and what the reasons are, the potential reasons are behind why extraterrestrials are doing these kind of things. Okay, we are back. Uh, continuing with this, uh, uh, UFO researcher uh, Robert Hastings, of, co- of course, who uh, has been investigating the connection between UFOs and nuclear weapons for like around 50 years now, says, uh, according from information from his website, uh, he believes that UFOs are piloted by visitors from elsewhere in the universe who, for whatever reason, have taken an interest in our long-term survival. He contends that these beings are occasionally disrupting our nukes to send a message, message to the American and Soviet-slash-Russian governments that their possession and potential large-scale use of nuclear weapons threatens the future of humanity and the environmental integrity of the planet. In short, Washington and Moscow 
Moscow are being warned that they are playing with fire. To suggest that this scenario is the only explanation for widespread UFO sightings during the modern era would be presumptuous, simplistic, and undoubtedly inaccurate. Nevertheless, Hastings believes that the now well-documented nuclear weapons-related incidents are integral to 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 an understanding of the mystery that confronts us. So, uh, yeah. And I, I, I'm glad he said that because, yeah, we don't know what the, all the reasons are why these aliens are here, but they're obviously interested in uh, preventing us from having a nuclear war. I mean, when you think about what happened at the 1994 uh, aerial school incident, I mean, of course, over 60 kids, 62 kids had seen, or maybe even 64, I think it might have been, had seen uh, flying saucer land, alien beings come out. One of the alien beings, of course, communicated telepathically with a handful of those kids and basically told them, expressed concerns about technology and how we're destroying the world. And these kids had images of destruction in, uh, uh, put inside their minds by these beings. Uh, so I think that that's what it is. I think that there, there's a concern by the extraterrestrials that we're going to destroy this planet, that we're going to make it the air unfit to breathe. If we ever have a nuclear war, not only will we just destroy ourselves, I mean, we'll ruin this planet, and it will be, uh, it would be very difficult for life to uh, continue on. And if I mean, if it's an all-out nuclear holocaust, well, I mean, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, it's not just the human beings. We're going to destroy everything. We're going to destroy uh, plant life, trees, everything else, all other animals. I mean, who knows how bad it could possibly be. We might destroy everything with, with, with the nuclear holocaust. And the aliens don't want us to do that. Now, I guess the question is, uh, you know, are they, are they doing this out of a concern for us? Or are they doing it out of a concern for them? I mean, do the aliens, I guess the question is that we don't have answered is, are the aliens concerned about uh, the future of the planet because this is where they're planning on living? You know, at some point, you know, all of them, maybe there's only a small portion of them here right now, but at some point in the future, the, the, the rest of the, the rest of them are going to show up and they're going to take over and they're worried about, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make it impossible for them to be here. If we start launching nuclear uh, missiles at each other, or are they actually concerned for our welfare or are they concerned about the human race? I mean, that's the, that's the, we don't know the answers to that. I mean, we could speculate all we want. I know I talked recently about the, uh, a very dark p- possibility that they're they're here basically to colonize the planet and at some point they're going to get rid of us uh that's possible i mean again there's all these lo- there's a lot of people out there who claim that all these there's a lot of these aliens are all they're all here on a friendly mission and i don't know how anybody knows that you hear this from even like from people like Stephen greer you know, points this out that it's all f- on a friendly basis and everything. I don't know how he knows this. I mean, does he have a, some kind of direct link to these? Or is, he, is he on the, is he on the phone talking to them on a regular basis? Are they giving him information on why they're really here and he's accepting it? I mean, that to me, that's I, when people say that they know what's going on for sure. I, I I question that because I don't know what's going on for sure. I know there's something here, but I don't know how we could possibly know what's going on for sure. But they are obviously not interested in seeing us destroy this place, obviously, and uh, for whatever reason. I mean, again, we don't even know, for one thing, there's a lot of questions. How many are coming here? How many beings are, are here right now? How many different, from how many different planets are here right now? Are some of them just coming here from, uh, like every now and then you hear some, some being that you never, that no one ever, you never heard the description of before. Right, and you wonder, okay, was that just a flyby? They were just stopping by and, and then moved on their way. 
Are they just here to check things out and then move on? All right, maybe for some of them that could be the case. And then for some other ones, like these gray beings on these insectoids and reptilians, it seems like they're here for the long haul. Right? They're up to something, right? They, I mean, with, I mean, all these abductees lying, right? I don't think so. I think there's uh, a lot of truth in the abduction phenomena, right? I, be, I believe that there are people getting abducted. And I'll tell you this, the reason I think that, not only because of the, there's just so many different cases and so many credible cases, is because of my own experience. I, I encountered one of these things, so I know, right? And then you have uh, the cattle mutilations, which still continues to, to happen. We've been talking about this for how long now? It's it just, it, it's it's still not over with. I mean, there's still there. What's going on with that? We don't really know. We can only speculate. I think it's extraterrestrials. I think extraterrestrials are responsible for a lot of these catamutilations. I'm sure there are some cases where there's probably humans involved, and it's probably and or predators, right? Uh, but I think in, in in some of these cases where where blood is completely drained and it looks like uh, there were precision laser cuts, I think that those are extraterrestrials uh, behind those cases. That's what I think. And so for whatever purpose, I mean, it could be for food, like some people think. But they're they're here. There's something here, and they're still not gone, and they're up to something. And they don't want us to destroy the planet with nuclear bombs. Uh, and again, we don't know the reason for that. Are, could, are, are, they, are they all just have caring hearts like some people believe? Are they all just very loving and, 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 and they just want to see this place and they want to see us all get along with each other? Could be, but I don't know that for sure. I mean, I know people say that, but, but I don't know. So other people say, no, I've, I've had horrible experiences getting, getting abducted and these things doing these crazy things to me that I don't want them to be doing. So we just don't know. We don't know the answers. Now, maybe, of course, I'm certain that there are some people within the secret control group. They know they have a better idea than probably most of what's going on. They, I'm sure of this, right? But they're they're still not sharing that with us. Um, anyway, uh, one more thing I want to say. Today, uh, May 13th, is uh, four years ago on this date, uh, uh, Stanton Friedman UFO uh, researcher, one of the, I, I, and who I had the opportunity to talk to on the phone several times uh, when I, I interviewed him uh, back in 1997. And yeah, 1997, then again in the early 2000s, probably about three or four times I talked to him. He actually sent me some faxes at the time. Um, and uh, I, and he actually, I remember the last time I talked to him, like he, he remembered me from the previous time. So it was nice that I got to know, that got to talk to him, at least on the phone. But he was one of my, he's, of course, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in the UFO community uh, miss Stanton. He was uh, one of the greatest re- UFO researchers that have ever, ever lived. I, I, didn't, I didn't agree with a lot, a lot, lot of his positions or some of, not, I did agree with most of his positions, but there were some rather that I didn't agree with. For instance, he, did, he didn't believe in the Bob Lazar stuff. I do. I think that Bob Lazar is telling the truth. That doesn't make me right, but you know that's just one of the things. But anyway, it was four years ago on this date where he passed away, and uh, uh, I still I wish he was still here. Uh, and I know a lot of us feel the same way. Anyway, until next time. <laughs>